All right, here we go. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 2 Chronicles. And I know that's not a place that we frequent very often, so I'm going to give you a few minutes to get there. Visuals, guys. 2 Chronicles chapter 14. And uh, we are going to go out with a bang this morning. We sure are. For those of you guys who are joining us today for the first time, uh, we have been as a family on a 21-day time of fasting. And if you have no idea what fasting is, it's crazy. It's where you don't eat any food. It's where you cut things out. And you would say, that is crazy. I'm out of here right now. Why would you guys ever do that? It's actually a biblical spiritual discipline where, and the literal word for fasting means to cover the mouth. It means to cut things away. And one of the things that you notice is that when you cut away your natural sustenance and strength, your physical man gets very, very weak. But something happens. There's a dynamic when we humble ourselves before God, even though that physical man gets weak. Oh boy, I'm telling you, I'd be coming up the stairs, getting like, getting out of bed. My kids want to wrestle with me. Like, this is the one time in your life you're going to be able to beat daddy. <laughs> I got no food on board. But that, that physical man, that carnal man gets weak, but our spirit man gets strong. Our spirit man just dials in and we hear from God on a different level and he's able to do some things in our heart and in our lives in a different way. And this has been an incredible fast for me and for many people that I've talked to here at Antioch. So today is a day of celebration and also today is a charge. I wanna charge you. In the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 14, we're gonna begin in verse two. Verse two gives us the account of a king by the name of Asa. King Asa, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, his God. He removed the foreign altars and the high places. He smashed the sacred stones and he cut down the Asherah poles. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord. That's a great verse. And if I can do that today, I wanna command Antioch to seek the Lord. If you are just joining us in the past few weeks, there was a prophetic word, which very simply means there was a word that was inspired by God, from God to this corporate body. And really it's a word that's going out to the body of Christ at large. But that prophetic word, that God inspired word was a word that said these next six months of 2015, it's a time to press into God. It's a time to set our faith and our focus. It's time to, to press in and seek him like we've never sought him before. That is what our marching orders are. It's time to seek God. And so King Asa commanded Judah, seek the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. Seek, the seek the Lord. That's, that's, if you wanna know what our vision is, if you wanna know what our six month plan is, Seek the Lord. That's what it is right there. Now let's follow this. The God of our fathers, and he commanded them to obey his laws and commands. And he removed the high places and the incense altars in every town in Judah, and the kingdom was at peace under him. You know, there are high places. You know, what is a high place? A high place in the scripture was 
a literal physical high place geographically like Pikes Peak or, you know, Manitou or different mountains. And, and you'll notice that in these high places, even in our state, that people will go there and they will, they will draw, they will try to draw from a sense of spiritual power from these places people who are in the occult or people who are you know, into new age mysticism or things, they, they just understand that there is something significant geographically about a high place and its significance in the realm of the spirit. Now, here's what he did. He went and he tore some of these high places down, altars that were built to the enemy, places of worship, man-made places of worship that were erected to draw demonic power from the enemy. And here's what he did. He says, we are not going to have that under my watch. I'm going to tear those things down in my land. You can have high places in your heart. And the beautiful thing about a fast, when you start cutting things away, the beautiful thing is that God is able to show us what the high places in our heart are. In fact, I was talking with Miss Carolyn Tenney and she said, it never ceases that when an individual or a corporate body begins to cut those things away, God will show you what your ungodly cravings are. And I'm not just talking about steaks and pizza and gravy and bacon. I'm talking about the ungodly craving for the lust of our flesh. How many of you guys have had some manifestations in the past 21 days? Got a little short, got a little snappy, got a little greedy, got a little jealous, got a little selfish, got a little angry, got a little lustful, got a little prideful. May, may I, must I go on? I just basically walked you through my list. <laughs> but here's why that happens, because a fast, it pushes things that are on the inside. It just takes them, and it, everything that's in here gets all out here. And that's what happens in a fast. And what God is doing is he's saying, listen, as you humble yourself before me, I'm going to show you what the high places in your heart are. And no one can tear those high places down but you. No one can tear my high places down in my heart but me. What is a high place? A high place is something that essentially we have erected higher than God in our hearts. It doesn't matter what it is, and it could be simple. It could be simple, simple, simple. It could be a relationship you're unwilling to let go of. It could be a hurt you're unwilling to forgive. It could be a substance that you're addicted to. It could be a TV show. Come on, talk to me this morning. I need the help of the house today. I haven't had any physical food for 21 days. Help me this morning, okay? So King Asa said, we're not gonna have the high places. Essentially what he was saying is, this is gonna be a nation dedicated to God. We need some governors and mayors. We need some presidents and princes. We need some kings and some leaders who say, I command this nation to seek God and we're gonna tear down the high places. We need that in our nation. We need that in our city. Now watch what happened. It says, in every town, the kingdom was at peace under him. Verse six, he built up the fortified cities of Judah. And since the land was at peace, no one was at war with him during those years and the Lord gave him rest. Verse seven, let us build up these towns, he said to Judah and put walls around them with towers and gates and bars. For the land is still ours because, because, because we have sought the Lord our God. Because we have set our hearts on seeking him, he has given us rest. Friend, let me share with, you, share with you something today. Your problem is not your son, and it's not your daughter, and it's not your wife, and it's not your husband. 
That's not your problem. Your real problem, your real problem is that God is inviting you to tear high places down. And here's essentially what God is saying. As long as there's anything in your heart that is more important than me, you will never have true rest. You will never have true rest. And that is not to invalidate the very real struggle that our loved ones are going through. But listen, if we, if we just keep our focus on what our children or what our spouse or the lack of finances that's going on in our lives, and if we keep high places in our heart and we refuse to posture our heart in seeking God, we will never experience rest in our souls. We have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him and he has given us rest on every side so they built and they prospered. I'm gonna fast forward here just a little bit because the next segment of this chapter is very, very interesting. There's a king that comes out and he wants to fight Asa in, in the nation of Judah. I love these stories. And this king, essentially, the transliteration here of the Hebrew, it says he had, he had an army of thousands upon thousands. It's like 300 against Persia. Thousands upon thousands were coming and they were coming to fight him in his little tiny town of Judah. Look right here, if you would, same chapter, verse 11. It says, then Asa called to the Lord his God. And he said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name, we have come against this vast army, O Lord, our God, do not let men prevail against us. Let me tell you the end of the story here. God steps in. God steps in and in a battle that should have been an annihilation. God says, because you have humbled yourself, because you have torn the high places down in your heart and in your country, because you have cried out to me. You know, the word here in the NIV really isn't the best translation. It says, Lord, there is no one like you. It says, Asa called to the Lord. That word call is a Hebrew word that means to cry out loudly. How many of you guys have ever cried out loudly to God for something? I can recount milestones and benchmarks in my life where I have, I have cried out to God, anguish of heart, desperation. God, you must move in my life. You must change this wicked thing inside of me. You must turn this situation around. And here's what God says, because you have cried out to me, because you've acknowledged who I am, because you have asked for my help, because you have humbled yourself beneath me, because you have recognized that I am powerless and you are weak, I am gonna get in this situation. It's an invitation to bring God, to bring the supernatural into the feeble, weak, broken, destitute areas of our lives. I must have the supernatural power of God in my life. So God comes in and listen, God in one is always a majority. Always. It don't matter what your challenge is, how high your mountain is, how difficult your struggle is. If you can invoke the power of God into your situation, there is always room for a turnaround. Look at chapter 15. So they win. You want to, you want to hear more about it? Read the chapter. All right, verse 1. Watch this. So we're still talking about Asa. Now, the spirit of God came upon Azariah, son of Oded, and he went out, verse two, he went out to meet Asa and said to him, listen to me, 
Listen to me, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you when you are with him. He is with you when you are with him. There's some people here today who've been like, why is God not with me? Listen to what God says, I'm with you when you're with me. You guys remember this story when Joshua, right before he goes out, this is in Joshua chapter five, right before chapter six, where he goes and he destroys Jericho. And there's the angel of the Lord that comes out to him. And Joshua, he's a general, he's a fighter. So he, he sees somebody rolling up and he's like, what set you with, man? Who you with? And that joker's like, that, that, that is actually God, it's the angel of the Lord. I'm just some, the angel of the Lord's like, <laughs> apologize. The angel of the Lord, being God himself, said, um, I'm with no one. You need to determine who you are with. And God was like, uh, Josh was like, uh, you win, uncle. Here's what, here's what he says. He says, I am with you when you are with me. I want Antioch to be with God all the time. I want to be on his side. I don't want to just ask him to be on my side. I don't want to just create my plans and then invite him as an afterthought. Oh, by the way, would you come and be a part of my plans? By the way, would you come and would you anoint my decisions? No, no, no. I want my decisions to always be submitted to your, I want to be on your team. I want, I, I don't have next, you got next, I want you to pick me up. Can I be on your team? I don't have to be the captain of the squad. I want to be on your team. That's what he's saying here. Listen, I'm with you as long as you're with me. If you're aligned with me, if you're submitted to me, if you're postured in humility to me, I'm with you. It don't work like the way we want it to work. It don't work like that. I'm going to do my thing and then ask God to bless it. He will not bless it. It's his way or no way, and that's just the way it is. You're either with me, you're for me, or you're against me. There is no middle ground with God. There's no middle ground with God. Now, he's patient and he's gentle and his loving kindness is so good and he's gonna work with us. But listen, I'm telling you, when it comes down to the battles of the Lord and him fighting on our behalf and him being on our side, he says, I am with you if you're with me. Now, let's, let's look at this. I'm going somewhere with all this. I gotta move fast. Listen to me, Asa and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, somebody say, seek him. Seek him. He will be found. That's a great promise. If you seek him, he will be found. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. All right, let's just skip down here a little bit. This is, this is just so much good stuff here. I gotta wade my way through. Uh, let's, get, let's, let's skip all the way down to verse 10. So they assembled at Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of Asa's reign. And at that time, they sacrificed to the Lord 700 head of cattle and 7,000 sheep and goats from the plunder they had brought back. They won another battle. And it says they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord. Somebody say, seek the Lord. The God of their fathers with all their heart 
and with all of their soul. And all who would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, were put to death, whether small or great, man or woman. They took an oath to the Lord with loud acclamation, shouting, trumpets, horns. Verse 15, all of Judah rejoiced about coming into covenant with God because they had sworn it with all of their heart. Listen to this. There wasn't a man that was forcing them to do this. It wasn't by manipulation. It wasn't by obligation. In order for a house to come into covenant with seeking God, Every individual must come into agreement to seek God. Every individual must say, I'm not doing this because it's the next cool thing for 2015. I'm not doing this because that crazy man up there is telling me to do this. I'm doing this because I belong to a covenant family. And if the family says we're entering into a covenant to seek the Lord for six months, sign me up. I'm in. That's what's going on here. It's sworn it wholeheartedly. Now watch this. They sought God eagerly and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. This is good stuff. Let's just read a little bit more. Verse 16, King Asa also deposed his grandmother, Makkah, from her position as queen mother because she had made a repulsive Asherah pole. Asa cut the pole down, broke it up, burned it. I wish they should make a movie out of this. Verse 17, although he did not remove the high places from Israel, Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. I want us to examine that because uh, I beg to differ, sir. Verse 18, he brought into the temple of gold the silver and the gold and the articles that he and his father had dedicated, and there was no more war until, everybody say until. Now, Now here's where things get juicy. There was no more war until the 35th year. Look at chapter six, look at chapter 16, verse one. In the 36th year of Asa's reign. 35 years. He's been faithful. 35 years. He's been dedicated. 35 years, he's been tearing down the high places. 35 years, he's been destroying his enemies. 35 years, he's been crying out to God. He's been seeking God. He's been calling the help of heaven into his life and into his leadership. But something happened in the 36th year late. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, Basha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and fortified Ramah to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the territory of Asa, king of Judah. What's happening here? There's another king. Listen, friend, when you think that the assault and the assignment and the attack of the enemy against your life is finished, I'm here to tell you it's not. He wants your marriage. He wants your children. And if he can't get your marriage, he'll settle for your children. And if he can't get your children, he'll wait a generation. He'll try to get your grandchildren. He'll try to get you with perversion. He'll try to get you with pride. He'll try to get you with offense. Thank God for the seasons of rest, but you can never let down your guard. He doesn't like you. He don't care about you. He don't like your mama. He don't like nothing about you. He hates you. You need to get this, you need to get this straight. The enemy hates you. He hates you. He hates you. He hates you. And he's after you. And he will not. Now I'm not afraid, but I'm here to tell you, you need to understand there is an enemy of your soul. And in the 36th year of Asa's reign. 
I don't know what happened. I've been wrestling with this, saying, God, he was so faithful. 35 years, what happened? Another king came. Did he get tired? Did he get fatigued? Did resentment come into his heart? Did he get offended? Did somebody hurt him? What happened to this man? Did he get familiar? Did he get lazy? Did he get complacent? Did he compromise? I don't know what happened, but here's what I know as we follow the story. Another king comes out and he says, I'm gonna get you. Now, what was the pattern of Asa's life Every time a king came against him, come on, talk to me. What was the pattern? Seek God. Right? Say it with me. Say, seek God. I got drugs that are trying to come and steal my soul. What do we do? Seek God. I don't know how to pay my bills, but I'm going to be faithful and tired that I'm going to seek God. Things aren't looking well with my children, but I'm going to seek God. When you don't know what else to do, get on your face and seek God. Seek him in his word. Seek him in counsel. Seek him in company of multitude of people that love God. Seek him in worship. Seek him in his presence. Turn your heart to him. Turn your eyes to him. Turn your faith to him. Turn your trust to him. This was unjust. People are accusing me. I know that I have. Seek him. Seek him. Friends, listen. Unjust things will happen to you. Seek God. People will accuse you unjustly. Seek God. People will betray you. Seek God. Things may not turn out the way that you want them to. Seek God. Seek him. Turn your heart to him. King of Israel comes and he says, boo, I'm going to get you. And Asa, I don't know what happened, but he says, I've got to go and I've got to fight this battle on my own. I've got to go and I've got to get help from another king, a king that was not in covenant with Israel, a king that, that, that wasn't even in the same, it wasn't even in the same realm of the culture of Israel. Watch this, what happens right here. And we'll look at verse two. Asa took the silver and the gold that belonged to God. He took the things that were devoted to God and he took these things and he says, hey, 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 King Ben-Adad of Aram, will you come and fight our battle for us? He says, how much money you got? Takes all of his gold, takes all of his silver, and then he goes and he attacks the cities of Israel while the king of Israel is out trying to besiege Judah and Here's what Asa does. Oh, look what I did. Look what I did. If there is a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Look what I did. Look what I did. Look what I did. No problem too big. I can fix this thing. I got this. I can handle this. I don't need to seek God. Fasting, humble my heart, prayer. I don't need to do that. I got this. Watch what happens to Asa. Verse seven, at that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and he said to him, because you relied on the king of Aram, the word Hebrew there is trust. Because you trusted in the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. There's a lot to that we can't go into, but essentially that army was an army that the king of Judah was supposed to remove. So he entered into an ungodly covenant with an unholy people 
that he was supposed to have authority. He was supposed to have authority over. But because instead of turning his heart to God, he turned his heart to an ungodly covenant because he placed more trust in a relationship that he should have never been in in the first place because he gave his heart to an ungodly soul connection with another ally, God says, that which you were supposed to rule, you will never have authority over. He has escaped from your hand. We're not the Cushites and the Libyans, a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen. Yet, when you relied on the Lord, he delivered you. When you trusted him, he was there for you. The odds were against you, but you trusted him and he was faithful to you. Verse nine, and this is the verse I want you to sit in for a little while. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Jonathan, come on up here if you would. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen, to strengthen. I will strengthen you. I know that you feel weak, but if you will turn to me, I will strengthen you. I know this has been a tough 21 days and all hell has released every weapon in its arsenal against you, but if you will keep seeking me, I will strengthen you. I know that you don't feel like you have any more inside of you, but if you will turn to me, I will strengthen you. It wasn't until the seventh revolution of the seventh day around Jericho, they shouted and the walls came down. If they would have given up on the second day or the fourth day or the sixth day or the second revolution on the seventh day or the sixth revolution on the seventh day, no walls would have fallen down. He says, but if you will turn your heart to me, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will support you. I will not neglect you. I have not forgotten you. I will strengthen you. Praise God for 21 days and I rejoice. But I'm here to tell you, I'm asking God to put inside of me something. I'm after something. I want God to put a seeking heart inside of me. I'm a 37-year-old young man in the 36th year, in the 36th year of his leadership, something changed. And he said, I got this. I'm so humbled as I look at the leaders and the body of Christ. I tell you, I was having a conversation with Christy many months ago and I said, I said, babe, I remember when I was in, I remember when I was in high school and college, I thought, I thought the most difficult years of my life, I thought the greatest battles in my life would come in my 20s. Young, youthful, lustful, proud, arrogant. I thought my greatest struggles would be in my 20s. I thought if I can just make it through my 20s, man, I'm gonna be set. And then I got into my 20s and I thought, whoa, oh man, maybe some of my greatest struggles, maybe some of my greatest battles, maybe some of my greatest enemies will come in my 30s. But as I survey the scene, I see men of God falling in their 60s, men of God falling in their 50s, men of God falling in their mid-60s, and everything is changing for me now. 
I need something so deep inside of me that it holds me. It holds me to him when I'm 70. I was young and now I'm old, but I have never seen the righteous forsake him. I am young, but now I'm old. I want to say that when I'm old. I want to say that when I'm 80. I want to say God has been faithful to me. He has never left me. When I seek him, he strengthens me. He strengthens me. Friends, listen to me. I don't know what your 36th year is. I don't know what that thing that is going to try to come at you in your 36th year, but I can tell you this. If you do not set your heart to be a seeker of God, something's going to get you in your 36th year. Something is after you. Something wants to trip you up. Something wants to turn your heart from God. And the enemy will wait. I'm not afraid of him, but he will wait. I'm here to tell you today, God says, if you will turn your heart to me, if you will set your heart on seeking me, I will strengthen your resolve. I will strengthen your resolve. strengthen your resolve. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, the man Daniel stood in the courts of Nebuchadnezzar and the scripture says that Nebuchadnezzar gave the best, gave the best of his food. Daniel said he resolved not to defile himself. I'm not going to defile myself. Some of you men need to resolve that you're not going to cheat on your wife. Some of you need to resolve that you're not going to you're not going to flirt around with sexual temptation. Some of you need to resolve that you're not going to abandon your families. Some of you need to resolve that you're going to get you're going to deal with that offense that is sitting in your heart like a poison. Listen, I know that it will take you out. If you don't deal with the offense in your heart, you may think everything's going fine. Your face may be good. People may think you got it all together at church. I'm I'm here to tell you, if you don't deal with the poison of offense in your life, in the 36th year, there was a king that came against Asa, and he turned his heart. It will get you. It will get you if you don't deal with the poison of unforgiveness and offense in his heart. The man Joseph, betrayed by his brothers, thrown into a pit, left for dead, dragged out of his pit, sold to the Midianites, probably beaten because he was a Hebrew slave, thrown into Potiphar's house to work his hands and bones off. His story is found in Genesis 39 through 41. He was 17 years old. The man Joseph was 17 years old when he was betrayed by 10 of his family members. Found himself in Potiphar's wife. And then this floozy, this hussy comes and tries to seduce him. And he's like, I don't want anything to do with that. And then she falsely accuses him. He finds himself in solitary confinement unjustly interprets the dreams for two men who were in the king's court who found themselves in prison and then he says this don't forget about me don't forget about me I shouldn't be here don't forget about me and the last verse says and they did not remember Joseph 
I've been accused. I've been betrayed. I've been left for dead. I've been beaten. I've been turned into a slave. I've had some wild, crazy woman accuse me. I've been thrown into prison. I've been all alone. I've been forgotten. And here's what the next chapter says. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. Wait a minute, wait a minute. If that dream came from God, God could have given Pharaoh that dream anytime he wanted to. Why were there two more years that Joseph had to sit in a prison with no visitors for two more years? Why? I don't know. My only guess is God was not finished with his process in Joseph's life. Stay here, son. Stay here. Turn to me. Come close to me. Let me weed the offense out of your heart because you're going to rule all of Egypt. Let me pull the poison out of your heart because you're going to lead your brothers. Let me pull that poison out of your soul. Joseph, stay here a little bit longer. It's not your time yet. You need to stay hidden. You need to stay in the cave. 36th year and something turned his heart and the word of the Lord this day for you Antioch is if you will turn your heart God will strengthen those who turn to him I'm giving you my guts today because I feel the weight of your grandchildren I feel the weight of your grandchildren I am a voice of God today crying out into the wilderness of your soul. Resolve to be a seeker. Turn your heart to God. Lord, we praise you for a season of seeking, but we say, when's the next one? When's the next one? I'm not going to fall off the wagon on Monday. I'm going to step into you a little bit deeper. I'm going to go a little bit further. I'm going to turn my eyes to you no matter what comes my way. Jesus says, unless a man denies himself and takes up his cross and follows me, And then he says this, he says, in that day, he says, the love of many will grow cold. When persecution comes, when affliction comes, when tribulation comes, when you didn't get the answer that you wanted, when things didn't turn out the way that you expected, if your root was not rooted in seeking God, if you didn't have a root in God, if you didn't have a heart that was turned towards God, where he would strengthen you, and every time he strengthened you, that root would grow a little bit deeper, and then something would come, and you would seek him, and that root would grow a little bit deeper. He says, if you didn't do that, he says, the love of many will grow cold are you hearing me today and Jesus finds himself in a garden in Matthew 26 and here's what he says he says I know that I'm destined for the cross he says but not my will not my will I don't want to do this This is going to be bloody and painful and torturous. This is going to be the worst sacrifice that humanity has ever experienced. I'm going to lay my life down, an innocent man, a guiltless man. I'm going to heap up all of their accusations. I'm going to take the sin of every living human being from Adam until the last one leaves the earth. I'm going to take all the sin of humanity onto my soul. I'm going to be separated from God. I don't want to do this, God. That's what Jesus said. Then he says, listen, 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 listen. I'm going 
going to finish this thing because you said to King Asa, you told him, Father, that you look throughout the entire earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to you. And today in this garden, as you press me, as you crush me, I turn my heart to you and you will strengthen me for my assignment. You will strengthen me for the cross. You will never make it out of Gethsemane if you don't determine by the grace of God to turn your heart to him in every situation of life. Some of you here have experienced incredible losses. Some of you here are still believing God for things in your life that have not yet come to pass. Barrenness, loss of loved ones. I'm here to tell you today, when you're in Gethsemane, God is squeezing on you and he's pressing in on you. He has a promise. He will strengthen you. He will strengthen you if you will commit your heart to him. Father, I pray that you would strengthen the resolve of my family. My Antioch family, God, strengthen their resolve today. We want to be seekers of the living God. Strengthen the resolve of this house today. Every family, every father, every marriage, every child, God, strengthen the resolve of my family in this house today, God. Strengthen their resolve. I want us just to just I want us to just sit before the Lord here a minute. Don't even worry about the time right now. This is there is some holy business that is going on. And if you want to build an altar up here, you come and build an altar and just crawl up on that thing and say, God, turn me into a seeker. Get a hold of me, God. Whatever's inside of me that would take me out on that 36th year, go just take your hand, God. Plunge it into the depths of my soul and pull it out of me. Tear down every high place in my heart. Tear down every high place in my life. I want to be a seeker. I commit to being a seeker. I commit to following hard after you, God. I commit. I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow you. The world behind me and the cross before me, I have decided, I have decided, I have decided. Give us a holy resolve in your presence today. I have decided, I have decided. I am going to follow you with all of my heart. Listen, if you're here today and you don't know Christ, Something, something of the Spirit of God is reaching into your heart. We're going to worship God with this song right now. I want to keep this place as holy and as solemn and as sober and as sacred as possible. If you are here today and you have never asked Jesus, you have never torn down the high places in your heart and invited him to be the king of your life, you've not, you've not received his love and welcome into your heart, we're going to sing this song. And this song is for every single one of us. This is a song of decision. This is a song of resolve. This is a song of commitment. This is a song of surrender. This is a song of consecration. And I have decided.
renew our covenant with you today, God.